What should I do with my 401k? This is often a question that prompts prospective clients to reach out to Palm Valley Wealth Management. What should I do with my old 401k? This is often a question that prompts prospective clients to reach out to Palm Valley Wealth Management. So that's why today I'm going to explain your options and give some questions that you should consider before moving your 401k. Welcome to the Retire Early, Retire Now podcast. This is Hunter Kelly. I'm the owner of Palm Valley Wealth Management, and I have been a financial advisor for the better part of a decade. I'm doing this podcast to help mid-career families retire early and pre-retirees retire now. The best way to help this podcast is if you're liking it, please share it with a friend or leave a five-star review on your favorite podcasting app. Uh, It helps the show tremendously, and again, I appreciate everyone listening So today we are going to answer, what should I do with my 401k? There are generally three options that you have when dealing with an old 401k from an employer. The first option would be to cash that bad boy out. Generally, this is not a good idea. Very seldom is it ever a good idea to cash your 401k out because if you're under the age of 59 and a half, you're likely going to experience a 10% penalty plus income tax. So Let's just say you're in a 22% tax bracket. Go ahead and add 10%. So now you're paying 32 cents on the dollar to get that money out. Leaving it where it is is probably the better option than cashing it out. Generally speaking, there are typically uh, certain scenarios where you just don't have a choice but to cash it out. We want that to be the last case scenario. The other two options would be to either roll it over to an IRA or transfer it to your new plan if you're with a new employer, or you can just leave it at your 401k. What I really want to talk about and focus on are what should we consider when trying to make that decision? Should I pull it out and move it to an IRA or my new plan? Should I leave it? And so there are a lot of things to consider. First and foremost, most people uh, consider cost. And so historically, 401ks, 457Bs, 403Bs, any of those 40 plans, they historically have had higher costs, whether that be admin costs or the internal cost of the funds. Historically, they have been higher. They are getting better, especially the, the bigger providers. Um, they're starting to put in index funds and ETFs with a lot, a lot lower cost funds in those particular options. And then the admin funds are coming down as well. Oftentimes, you can, if you do have those higher fees, you can move it to an IRA or maybe even a new 401k, and you can get some investments that are super low cost. And generally, IRAs at like Schwab or Fidelity or Vanguard, um, to have that account isn't going to cost you anything or very little to have that account. So there's generally not admin fees. It would just be the cost of whatever fund or potentially some transaction costs if you're doing individual holding. The way that you can find the cost of your 401k provider is you can either go to your HR and ask for your plan summary document, and generally they'll have some fees in there, like the admin cost, and then they will have the investment lineup so you can see the expense ratios, things of that nature. And then sometimes you can find it on the website as well, but generally you have to go ask either the plan administrator or someone in HR. 
And so if you find that the fees are higher, then it may be more advantageous to move that particular account out um, and go to somewhere like an IRA or even your new 401k plan. The, the next thing that I often see is that, especially today's day and age, there, there isn't, it isn't as common for someone to stay at a company for 20, 25, 30 years they may move companies every five years or maybe they're with a company for 10 years and then they move around a little bit more. And so they may have three, four, five different types or five different 401k plans. And this is something we talked about in episode two with the desk drawer theory. Having four or five different accounts, not only does it make it a headache to figure out how much is in those accounts, I often will meet with a prospective client and they, if they have more than, let's call it, three 401k accounts that they haven't consolidated, they honestly don't even know the total of all three of them put together. So most of our time initially is logging into the 401k, gathering statements, and seeing exactly how much is in that account balance. And sometimes you would be surprised on how surprised a prospective client is when they realize how much money are in those accounts total. They don't have a good picture. Because of that, they won't have a good picture of what their financial situation looks like. So consolidating is something that you certainly should consider for a lot of reasons. One, um, so you know what that picture looks like. Two, the admin of those accounts can can become cumbersome. Additionally, more often than not, the 403B and the 401K companies will require you to request paperwork, fill that out by hand, and then either fax or email that paperwork over to receive a distribution. And it's unlikely that you're able to set up a automatic distribution like you can in IRAs. So anytime you would need a distribution, you would have to do that paperwork. So the administrative work toward collecting distributions off these accounts can be very cumbersome. So if you think about having five different 401k accounts, it would be much easier to consolidate that into an IRA, especially during retirement, so that you can easily receive distributions. So you're gearing up for retirement. You have five 401k plans that you've had over the years, and then you want to turn around and start taking uh, distributions out of that account. Well, which one do we take the distribution out first? How am I invested, and how does that correlate with the other four accounts? I'd administratively that becomes very cumbersome and then from an investment standpoint how do you know there's not a lot of overlap in the holdings that you have just because mutual fund has a different name if they're both large cap funds and they have similar philosophy they may have very similar holdings and so you may get to a point where you have a large portion of your 401k um, in a particular holding and that could drag your performance depending on how the companies are doing or vice versa, it may just put you at more risk than you really need for the return that you're receiving. We want to consider consolidation just to make things a little bit easier on the admin side and then also the, the investment side as well. That is a good lead into investment options, right? And so we talked about a little bit of this and cost and then that consolidation. But in 401k plans, especially historically, You've had uh, about, let's call it four to 10 um, specific mutual funds where it's a large cap, small cap, mid cap, maybe some international, some bond funds, and then you had a slew of target date funds. And so there's not very much in the way of options. So if the large cap fund that is offered in that 401k plan is not a very good one, 
then you're you're kind of stuck with that particular investment. And so if you've left that employer, it may be more advantageous to move it out of that plan to somewhere else so that you can get access to a better fund or selection of funds to meet your investment need. So moving it over to an IRA may make more sense. So the next thing you want to consider is asset allocation. So let's use a client story. Todd is one of my clients I've been working with for a handful of years. And for the time that I've been working with him, we have been conducting uh, backdoor Roth contributions. So putting in a non-deductible contribution into his IRA and then converting that to a Roth IRA due to him and his wife's uh, income. And because of that, he doesn't have any money in his IRA because we don't we want to avoid the pro rata rule. And so he's had basically one employer his adult life where he's contributed to a 401k. And a few years ago, he called me and said, hey, I'm leaving my employer to go get a different job. Um, and we had a conversation about that. But then he said, hey, I need to roll over my 401k to my IRA. And I, I talked to him and I said, hey, you don't want to do that because – um, have you heard of the pro rata rule? And he said, no. And so I explained to him that any money that he would have in his IRA, he would have to pay taxes on a portion of that when we do that non-deductible contribution, the, the backdoor Roth method. And then he would have some post-tax money into his IRA. And he had pre-tax money, he has to track that every year with a CPA. And it would just become a whole mess. So for him, actually transferring that to his new 401k, made more sense uh, for him in that particular scenario. So if you are conducting backdoor Roth contributions each year or plan on doing that at some point and you're switching jobs and considering rolling over your 401k, it may make more sense to consolidate that into uh, a 401k versus consolidating that into your IRA. That's one area that you would want want to consider Let's use another scenario. So uh, a few years back, I had a client that, again, worked for a company for quite a few years, ended up having about $800,000 in her 401k. When she was getting ready to retire, we were determining, hey, how do we want to allocate or handle this money? When looking at her 401k statement, she had some pre-tax money where there was some money that had been matched by the employer and some of her contributions. She had some after-tax dollars that were put in there because of the plan and what she elected to contribute. That had some growth on it. And then she also had some Roth money that she had contributed throughout the years as well. And so there were three buckets. And so depending on which type of money you have in your 401k, will dictate where you need to send that money. So if you have all pre-tax money, then a traditional IRA would work. But if you have a combination where there's some after-tax dollars in there, which is different from Roth IRA money, so the after-tax dollars go in there after tax, as it says, but then the growth on that money will be tax-deferred and then tax as you take it out. So what you would want to do with the after-tax money, not the growth, but just the after-tax basis is you would want to roll that to an 
Roth IRA. So you continue to get that deferred growth, but then you get tax-free distributions later on down the road. And then any growth on that after-tax money in the 401k, you would want to roll that into a traditional IRA. And then obviously the Roth 401k money, you would want to move to a Roth IRA as well. And so determining what type of money is in your 401k and where you would want to roll that, and then considering potentially that pro rata rule, if you're doing the the backdoor Roth contributions, if you're still in that accumulation phase and that saving phase, is a, a big ordeal to try to figure out. Podcast, there are two other things you want to consider. Um, the rule of 55 and NUA, and we'll talk about what NUA is in just a second, but the rule of 55 is a really cool rule. So if you are age 55 uh, to 59 and a half, um, a lot of people want to uh, retire, but say, oh, I can't retire because all my money is locked up in my 401k. And if I take a distribution before 59 and a half, I'll be assessed a penalty, so on and so forth. Well, the rule of 55 says if you retire after the age of 55 and you leave that money inside of that employer 401k plan, you can actually take distributions penalty free. So um, leaving a portion of that or the whole portion of the 401k plan in that particular plan that you retire from um, will allow you, one, to access that money penalty-free and allow you to, to retire early um, and, and things of that nature. So that's a rule that isn't uh, as well-known. It's starting to become more, a little bit more well-known as advisors uh, do a better job of education and, and all of that. And then the next piece, I think, is a huge piece that – um, most people don't know as well, and that is NUA, so net unrealized appreciation. So if you work for a company where you own employer stock uh, inside of your 401k, let's say you bought that stock, the total number of shares for $50,000. But over the time frame that you worked with that employer, that particular $50,000 grew to $500,000. Well, what you're able to do after you leave that company is you're able to pay taxes on the $50,000 that you bought those shares for, move that stock into a brokerage account, a taxable account, and then after you have done that, you get to pay long-term capital gains on that employer stock versus income tax later on down the road. So generally speaking, the um, investment long-term capital gain tax is more advantageous than ordinary income. And so let's say in retirement, you're at a, uh, you're at a 24% tax bracket. Well, if it's long-term capital gains on that employer tax uh, at a 24% tax bracket, you would pay 15%. So now you're saving about nine cents on that dollar versus taking it as ordinary income. And that'll wrap up episode number 13. Hopefully you found this information helpful. If you're looking to move an old 401k or just don't know what to do with it, Palm Valley Wealth Management would love to, to have a call to help you out and answer any questions that you may have. As a reminder, this podcast is for educational purposes only. This is not a financial advice. This communication should not be relied upon as a sole factor in an investment-making decision. If you would like help, please seek a financial, tax, legal, or insurance professional. Please keep Palm Valley Wealth Management 
in mind when making those considerations. So look forward to the next one and hopefully everybody has a Merry Christmas.